This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now onto the show. This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast. This is episode 98, brought to you by Podcasting with Purpose, helping you to stand out, be heard, and become an influential voice in your industry with a podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. My guest today says global studies constantly prove that women are in innovation and a financial gold rush. So what are you going to do about it? Joining me on today's show is Beck Brideson. She is an award-winning advertising leader and gender intelligence expert. And she wants to teach businesses how to better serve female consumers. Beck opened Australia's first female-focused ad agency, Venus Comms, in 2004 and expanded with the Beck Brideson Gender Intelligence Consultancy in 2015. She is high in demand. She consults with businesses across every category and she continuously speaks globally on embedding a female lens to increase profit, drive inclusive cultures and evolve business practice. Now, last Last year, she debuted her better business book, Blind Spots, in which she shares her disruptive methodology on how we can and how we should tap into a 28 trillion, a 28 T with a T trillion female economy before it's too late. Now, on today's show, she's going to talk about meaningless to meaningful work resilience and the relentless pursuit, as well as female lens innovation. So welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, uh, last or a couple of weeks ago, I saw that you have recently just won an award and been recognised for the great work that you are doing, uh, which has then since led, of course, to you coming on the show. You've had such a a, a vast and, and width and depth of of studies in this particular area, and yet with all of the information now that is coming to light, and of course you sharing through your resources, your articles, and your speaking, companies are still getting this wrong from a, a leadership perspective right through to consumers. Why do you think that is? I think that what we have inherited in the business world, um, you know, when, when it was developed and when marketing was developed uh, over 100 years ago, what we saw was the, um, the male lens perspective because back at, in that era, men were at work and women were in the home. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you look at even the top, 10 business books that are constantly referenced, um, they've all been seen through that male experience. Yes. Now, um, you know, males and females are different, and I can go into the neuroscience of that a bit later, but um, if that's where we've come from historically, mm. that's why we're at the point that we're at, just simply because 
that was the developmental nature of of the way business has evolved. Yes, you, you know, I've um, read and heard some studies where you know around the, the the boardroom table decisions were made that were very much male influenced, and products have gone to market, have launched and crashed because they didn't have some insights through the female lens. And then I'm sure we've all been, if we've got husbands and partners, to a, to a store, if we're buying a motor vehicle, whatever it is, that a sales rep may constantly be looking at our husbands yet fail to realise that often it's the women who can influence whether or not a purchase is, is made. And so um, I think it's you know going to be great to be able to dive into some of those findings and how we can start to incorporate that uh, within our businesses. So let's talk about meaningless to meaningful work. What are some insights you can share here? So um, I think it's really difficult to be an entrepreneur and a self-employed um, business person if the work that you're doing is not bringing some kind of meaning mm. to your life. You know, beyond financial reward, there has to be something that makes you want to get out of bed, that makes you um, continue to uh, pursue the goals that you have, even in the face of adversity mm. or um, not not being as popular as you had imagined you would be at the, that stage of your business. Yes. Um, and and I guess that's you know around the big. The big word of the moment is purpose mm. and if you're doing something that has purpose it is um it is a lot more rewarding you know in in the long term yeah and yeah. and and also rewarding every day yes so i uh, guess that's what i've been doing for the last uh 14 years. Yes, and I was going to say that beautifully segues into the question I ask you, what is it about really in this area of gender intelligence that had really sparked you? Was it something that happened many years ago that um, kind of uh, directed you to now pursue this, this line of, um, you know, investigation and, and obviously research? So what was it for you that you really, why do you love this industry or this area of the industry? I think what, what happened was... Um, we were on the cusp of the digital revolution and being digital has allowed us to measure our data more oh, accurately. Mm. And so it was always my hunch that there was something missing in the formula of advertising. And I was one of 3% of women to become a creative director, which means that the 97% of men um, in advertising yes. were actually making a decisions about what ads would go through to be presented to the client, what, what ideas would go to the client. And then more often than not, um, they are the ideas that the client will make. And it occurred to me that there's a bunch of men writing ideas for the women who are doing the purchasing. And as one of the few women, I would often hear my ideas rejected and, and they wouldn't resonate with the men. And I thought, well, it's not that the ideas wouldn't work if they went to market. It's that the first filter is a male filter and they're not understanding or seeing what I'm seeing, but I'm one of the few women here. So I knew there was a conflict in that um, workforce mm. that didn't match the outside consumer experience. And then the data started to show, you know, here are the numbers, here's how many women we have in the workforce in advertising here's how many women are doing the purchasing outside of the workforce mm. 
and it didn't make sense. But what I had learned in that time was that in order to be successful, I had to learn how to think like the men. Mm. So I call myself um, a recovering misogynist because I learned that, you know, if I could think like them, mm. my ideas would get past them yeah. and they would then be presented to clients. And so, you know, I, I can see it very clearly in hindsight. At the time, you don't really see it all so clearly. Mm. Um, but I, I knew that there was a place to create a more female perspective yeah. in the world of marketing and commerce and that given that women were doing all of the purchasing, mm. it would pay off. Yeah, amazing. And I think, you know, so many people can relate to that and having to adapt, adapt and adjust. And it's not till you actually take that step back and you can really see just how much we have adapted. What are some of the things that you're starting now to see being able to share ideas, obviously, and that are taken up by your clients and implemented and how they do their business and even run their business and the decisions? What impacts are you now seeing when they start to really embrace and look through more of the female lens to tap into that very lucrative market? Yeah, well, I guess we're seeing growth in a way that um, they hadn't experienced before, that um, they were getting more um, purchasing, more engagement, better audience numbers, um, that their insights were resonating. So, mm. you know, clients will spend a lot of money trying to advertise their brand across all the different mediums, especially if they're going into television. Yes. Um, it's very expensive. And if they were going out with a piece of work that didn't resonate with the audience it was intended to, then they've basically wasted their money. So what we're seeing is um, ideas that are actually being born out of a real insight yes. and they're impacting the way the customer is seen and feels she is being seen. Mm. Um, for a lot of women, I've heard through lots of research and my own personal experience is I feel that brands ignore me or don't recognise my needs or don't see me. Mm. And so when women feel seen and appreciated and noticed and their needs are being, their unmet needs mm. are being addressed, they start to feel, okay, this is a brand I will invest my time with mm -hmm. and I will actually spend my money with. Yeah, yeah. You know, as women, we are very complex beings, which, which I think is amazing because, you know, if everyone could understand us that well, uh, and I think, you know, that unmet need for, for organisations to be able to tap into even some of the ways and, and mechanisms is probably not the right word, but some of the, the formulas or systems that help us to tap into what is that unmet need? Because as marketers, as businesses, if we can speak into that without, you know, our ideal clients having even voiced that, there's a deeper level of connection, I think, that um, is longstanding. You know, and if we can storytell that across multiple platforms, that's when a brand really can make that impact. Uh, you know, with, with their clients. So let's talk about resilience and the relentless pursuit because I'm sure listening to your story, you would have had to build the resilience muscle, again, being in a very male-dominated industry, which I'm sure a lot of skill, you know, strength that you've now built, you leverage too. But what are some tips and insights of women are listening today and they do feel like they've got a voice and they've got a message, but it's just not being heard? Yeah, well, I mean, that's something I face every day, quite honestly. So... Um, I don't, I, I, I can give the advice 
but yeah. you know it's something that we live and breathe, have to breathe every day every yeah day, for sure yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of that is social and cultural so mm. we're still seeing gender as an issue that often gets um, put into the HR bucket mm. and we think that it's around um, and, and and it's not that these things aren't important you know salary gaps and parental leave and um, diversity and inclusion and bias training those sorts of things are really important um, but I guess the thing that makes the difference to the way we can bring that female lens into business is understanding that um, th th that there are women that are being unrecognized that are not being seen that there are ways that brands can help to um, better utilize what they have and maybe it means slightly pivoting mm. from where they are but um, I guess it's it's in researching what yeah. the market is not getting and really you know that might be a hunch it might be an instinct it might not exist yet mm. um, so following that instinct and relentlessly going after what you believe is the right thing because growth will happen mm. it will catch on there are there's all of that money being left on the table by female consumers because they've not had a choice so just because it doesn't exist or because it's not being you know the door isn't being answered doesn't mm. mean give up it actually means keep going because yes. if you if you're seeing it there are the chances are that gap exists you yeah. just have to keep finding that gap and the people who need that gap mm -hmm. one of the things that i'm sure that you've seen over the 14 years that you've been involved in your industry is that the the change or the the the, the number of changes are now becoming far far quicker and so organizations I think that are smaller can adapt and change and pivot as you say more 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 quickly to the to the needs and to the demands of their ideal clients whereas larger corporations who have a lot of hoops to jump through maybe not so much are you seeing then that the businesses who regularly or constantly are tapping in and getting feedback and doing the research and observing what is really connecting and being shared and engaged with you know online because now we have all of these resources social media channels where we can see how many of our posts have been shared like commented on because if it is then we've really tapped a nerve and you know in our ideal clients so are you seeing that businesses who regularly do that can be ahead of the game, if you will, and really leverage that within their messaging and when within their decisions that they're making? And, and are businesses starting to recognise that? Or is this an untapped resource as well from what you're seeing? Um, I, I think that it is absolutely the resource that we should be looking at for yeah. quick metric testing. Yeah. Um, there are some brands that I've been working with lately who have started to get serious about their social and mm. digital media and seeing growth within four weeks wow. and it's not like there has to be a large investment it's mm. putting out the right content at the right time and being able to test and measure yes. and i think that's one thing where um you know e even if you have a very captive loyal audience of 100 mm. testing and measuring with them is really vital because yes. that's how you're going to then get out to turn the 100 into the 500 into the thousand into the ten thousand yeah. and 
it, it is an incredibly um, interesting time to be in business when yeah. you can see that kind of fast, instant result. So, yes. yeah, I agree absolutely that um, it, it is the medium to tap into yeah. almost as a micro, uh, a micro way of, of measuring mm. how potent your work or your messaging or your content is going to be to a broader audience yes and and one of one of the things i think as as, as people who observe the the uh, the interaction and so forth on online can really give us you know an indication as we said as to what really is being engaged with are you seeing that the the engagement that's happening online so in the digital world is similar in an offline world so in, so my question would be is what's happening online can that impact the decision-making and what's happening offline and more in the print and, and obviously face-to-face -face or in person for some of you know the businesses who have actually have brick-and-mortar businesses? Are you seeing a correlation between online and offline? Yeah, absolutely, because you know, we're used to so many touch points yeah. and um, you, know, you might see a brand on Facebook, on Instagram, and then you'll be in store and you'll see it. And maybe you need to have seen it a couple of times yes. before you start thinking, okay, I've seen you now. Now I'm going to look into you. Mm. And then you go into the website and then you'll ask around. And, and I think it's almost like, you know, it starts, the brand starts to build our attention in many mm. different ways. And so the messaging that we need to have, whether it's the big out of home work that we see on the side of the freeway, or the experience that you have um, over the phone or in store, I mean, these are all going to inform mm. our relationship mm -hmm. and our degree to continue the relationship, our yes. degree of, of wanting to continue and develop that relationship. So yeah, the it, it all it all correlates and it all yeah. works together. Yeah, and I think that sometimes businesses forget that, don't they? They put all their attention and effort in one particular area, and then they forget. Well, hang on a minute. That's just one touch point. Many of our other clients are online. We we can't forget about that space, and vice versa too. I wonder. There's a word that you said, experience. We talk about that a lot as businesses and marketing. What experience are creating? When we look at men, and again, I know this is a general question, but typically when you look at men and women, are women more about the experience and how they their brand makes them feel in relationship to men? What are you finding in, in the similarities and differences? Well, I guess um, th this would be a good place to talk about the neuroscience. Mm. Um, for a long time, there's been, uh, in the medical field, there's there's been study and research which has suggested that the only difference between the male and female brain is really in our sex differences. Mm. Um, but more recent um, work and unearthing of facts and, and also um, the access to greater tools to measure the differences in our brains has shown that men and women are you know very different in the way that our brains um, take in the information and the male brain has a lot of um, activity in the left and right hemispheres and the female brain has a lot of cross activity over mm. left and right and so our, the way we're going to experience something is going to be incredibly different. Mm. And th there's also um, tracking research done of advertising where you can see that the trace lines of a female might be like that and a male might be like this, yes. um, which again shows and highlights those differences. So if you're catering to both of those audiences, I think what it is important to do is realise that 
the experience shouldn't be just the same mm. for each. There should be some difference in the way that um, you approach and design that experience. Design it through the female lens and design mm. it through the male lens. Mm. And if you're designing it through both of those filters, then you're going to hit the sweet spot. But if you design it through a non-gender lens, mm -hmm. then you might please no one. Yes. And I think that's that's the, the reason that I talk about lenses because um, I think uh, it's really important to, to treat men and women the same in terms of equal opportunity and access and resources and all of those things from a work perspective. Mm -hmm. But from a customer experience and a service provider experience, we must see the difference because mm -hmm. in the difference, we have an opportunity to be... Um, to be richer and deeper in our relationships yeah, with them. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that it's very important for us as we're developing a product, I, and I would imagine a service as well that we're offering to both men and women, put it through the lens of both genders. Then when we're looking at advertising, now taking that message to market so that we speak to our ideal client. When we look at those lenses, I mean, we've often heard as marketers that it's really important to hone the message to our niche, you know, our niche clients. So when we're thinking about marketing, is it very, um, is it is it good to then have marketing which specifically targets at more of a female lens and then look at a male lens and see which is is going to generate the best outcome? Is that still something that you would suggest? Yeah, but I, I guess the first step would be let let's um, look at our data and say who is it that we currently have as customers yes. and what's the split. And if you have a 50-50 split, then yes, look at how um, who's responding to your work through the mm. male and female. But if you're if you're really trying to attract women, mm. um, and and yet they're only 20% of your audience, yes. then there's something yeah. not working. And so you would adjust your budgets and your messaging accordingly because you'd say, well, we seem to have a lot of men. We're not having a problem getting the men. How can we adjust mm -hmm. to make sure that we're getting the females that we need? Um, so, yeah, definitely testing and measuring and understanding that audience split. I mean, I talk to businesses and I say, what is your percentage, you know, of mm. customer? And, and they won't know. Yes. Um, and, and look, sometimes it can be difficult, especially for a small business, to measure that sort of thing. But I guess um, it, if you're going to sign up for newsletters or to get people to um, join in loyalty programs, mm. then always ask that, that for that data point get that information because Absolutely. it becomes really valuable later. Yeah, the more information we have, the more we can adjust and, and tweak to make sure that it's relevant. I mean, all of this, I think it's fascinating. Um, we really can geek out on all of this. You know, I, I uh, will often laugh and say, if I look at my husband and I, our buying experience, he looks at it, he analyzes it. Do I really need it? Is it a good price? I see it. If I love it, I want it. It doesn't matter, you know, and so that's kind of our, our differences and we often laugh about that let's talk about female lens innovation we've said already that there's a 28 trillion female economy many businesses are not tapping into that but what are some things that you're seeing work really well when we talk about female lens innovation yeah so I guess that's where the disruptions coming in and those unmet needs and there's a great example um, with a car rideshare service um, and that is Sheba, have you heard about Sheba? I have, yes. Yeah. So um, that is a response to the to the the in the fear that women have of getting in a car with a stranger yes. 
And, you know, we've seen some really bad headlines from some of those rideshare companies. Taxis haven't always been a pleasant experience for women. Mm. Um, there's a lot of crime against women in that um, space. And so Sheba have come out and they've designed a female-only rideshare service. Mm. So only female drivers. Um, and it's a wonderful community because females get in the car with females. We're both in a safe space. Mm -hmm. And it's more than just a drive. You know, we, it's a sta it starts to become a sharing. Yeah. And they'll pick up children. So, you know, working parents who can't get to pick up or drop off. Or if there's, um, you know someone's mum who needs picking up and hasn't mm. wanted to leave the house because she doesn't want to get in a taxi or people who've got disability or um, health problems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this has been born out of an insight yes. and a need. Um, and, and there's other instances in sort of bigger business where, say, the feminine hygiene category, mm. um, there hasn't been much innovation outside of the last hundred years in, in what, has been on offer mm. um, and a, there's several businesses popping up the first one was in the US where they they actually thought well we've we've had you know um, access to the stuff that's in the chemists mm. and on the on the supermarket shelves but there's still this gap that exists and they've come there's a brand called Thinks T-H-I-N-X mm. and they've actually started to create um, period proof underwear and I think it's fascinating because they, they, their business has like tripled in size and they're starting to meet this need that just hadn't been thought of before. Yeah. It hadn't been thought of because the people that run the FemPro businesses think that they're dealing in paper, mm -hmm. paper mills and producing products for feminine hygiene. Yeah. But that was a lens of innovation that said, what are some of the experiences that women are having and how can we better meet the needs mm -hmm. that those women have, whether it's an unsafe car ride yes. or a lack, of, um, a, a lack of product innovation in a category? And they're just completely disrupting the way mm. things have been yeah. done before. Yeah, I love those sorts of stories. And what I am fascinated about, and this is important, I think, as all businesses, is how do we, um, where is the, the, the touch point or the, the crossroads where we can identify that there is this need? And sometimes, you know, some if we backtrack to some of these organisations, what was it that happened or occurred that enabled you to, to start to think let's put some time and energy around this just to see what you know this obviously is a few comments that we've heard back about you know in this feminine hygiene how many other women are struggling with that and and, and kind of you know what do we put our time and energy behind a thought that perhaps this could be um, you know a really good way to tap into that female economy are there some some things that you often see is that because they're regularly communicating with their market already and saying you know what is an issue that if you could solve would be you know something yeah. that you would what, what sort of things are happening it's the latter i think because um you know there are a lot of women who have left the workforce to look after children yeah. and they've found that going back into the workforce is either you know they're, they're being devalued and mm. overlooked because they're mums or by the time they've done the math on the childcare, it doesn't make sense to go back into full-time work yeah. and so out of um their ingenuity they are thinking well what else is out there for me and what 
experiences am I having that I'm hearing all the time from other mm. women and they are jumping on that opportunity and yes. starting to do that work. I mean, the, the rate that female entrepreneurs are outpacing men is around 30% globally. Mm. And not that they're getting the funding, mind you, mm-hmm. that's, another, that's another issue. Mm. But, um, you know, the, I, I met with a group in Sydney a few days ago who have created a, a thing called Puffling where they match, it's like a dating, um, you know, it's, it's that principle, but they'll match two women with the same skills mm-hmm. and put them into a full-time role, but they'll both share it. So it'll oh. be part-time role. And what and was that called? So brilliant. Puffling, P-U-F-F-L-I-N-G. Wow. What a brilliant idea. And that that was as a result of a, of a lived experience yes this was happening that yeah. that these mums were not able to return to work on terms that worked for everyone so join the skills into mm. into the one role and two women can can do that role and I, I think it's brilliant it solves so many problems yeah how many uh opportunities i think are flying around us on a daily basis because women are talking, just con- you know, conversing with their friends about a certain issue, and that's when we need to really be open to listening to these things and thinking, okay, do we have some skills? Are there some other things that can point to to that being a really great offering uh, in the marketplace? So, look, this has been fascinating. I've loved speaking with you. Thank you for sharing all of that great content. What are some ways that people can connect with you? Find out more about uh, you know the ongoing research that you're doing so that they can really start to implement that in their businesses what's the best way for them to connect with you yeah so my website is beckbrideson.com so I, I guess that'll be in the show notes yes um i i write for different um different titles um yeah. and i upload that to my blog uh i have twitter and facebook and linkedin is probably the best place to get me and i'm really happy yeah. to um answer any questions on linkedin yes um and uh there's my book that I wrote last year, Blind Spots. Yeah, fantastic. So, you know, that's, that's got it all in 10 chapters. Yeah, fantastic. As you think about um, sort of the future, are there any surprises for us, like little insights you want to see or foresights that you're thinking from the research that you've been doing that is going to be quite surprising to a lot of industries if they don't start making a change now? Is there anything that you want to kind of pull the curtain back on and say we need to be you know, mindful of this? Yeah, look, I think um, I think we're not looking at gender as mm. we should be. Um, and even though we've got a lot of evidence, and we can we can see that boards that have more women on them outperform boards who are all male. You know, there's still a lot of resistance out there. So I think generationally, things mm. will help to um, start to shift when some of those older uh, you know, I guess people with an older history and lived experience mm. leave the workforce. I think we'll start to see some things shift then. But it won't be without our constant reminding yes. and, uh, you know, I guess, um, you know, the shake-up and the, and the resilience and the ability to say, no, don't look away, don't not mm. see this. This mm. is an opportunity. It's not a problem. It's yeah. actually an opportunity to actually create more wealth for your business Absolutely. when you see women. Yeah. Something that you just said, and I will do say this in closing, is in the corporate space, I mean, I've done a lot of, of coaching and work with executives and we will constantly find, and even other studies have been done, that show that as women continue to rise you know, up, up the career and corporate ladder, 
they've often had to work twice, if not harder, than their male counterparts to get to where they are at. So they've got a whole lot of wealth, you know, in depth and real experience. Similarly in business, you know, for women, there's untapped opportunity. So whilst we may not be getting the funding, you know, the skills and expertise that we have and the community, if we do everything that you, um, you know, even just a small portion of some of the things that you've shared with us today, we really can make a dent in the marketplace in for our business and be what, where people will often turn, well, how did you do that? How did she do that without funding? And uh, I, I think that's exciting when we feature, you know, successful women in business who've gone and done it on their own without, yeah. uh, you know, that, that uh, capital. So that's, that's what excites me because just because, all right, then go and do it yourself, you know, lead the way. Yes, um, absolutely. So. It's been a pleasure talking with yeah, you. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Thanks so much for do. coming on the show. Bye for now. Bye. You've been listening to Women in Leadership Podcast, brought to you by podcastingwithpurpose.com. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to influence real change with your own podcast? Access our free podcast training, including our no-cost and low-cost tools and podcast production workflow checklist to get you started at www.podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training. That's podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.